0: But we can create an environment where superbugs evolve, and we cannot produce doctors fast enough and scientists fast enough to come up with the drugs that'll treat them. And the loss of 100 million people in a pandemic is not science fiction.
1: Welcome to What's Ethical, a podcast sponsored by Warburton Advisors, where thought leaders engage on how they influence others and master ethical dilemmas all with the aim towards helping listeners deliver a triple bottom line. My guest today is Richard Leakey, the renowned Kenyan paleoanthropologist, conservationist, and politician. Thank you for joining us today, Richard.
0: Thank you. Nice to be with you.
1: In other episodes, we've covered the Sustainable Development Goal 16 about strong governance with institutions. So today we'll be talking about your Garen Museum project, which is really focused on other SDGs related to climate and uh, equality. As you know, many listeners and I are experts within the private sector so let's start with why you think it's important for the private sector to understand the Sustainable Development Goals, and what are the main themes of the Garen Project? Well, I think
0: with Garen, my purpose is to put forward a modern exhibition using the latest technology to emphasize points that otherwise get lost in wordage alone that makes it very clear that while conservationists are generally thought about as people who are worried about the birds and the bees and the fuzzy creatures, conservation really involves conserving the world because just as a rhino is a threatened species, we are a threatened species too. And the reason we're threatened is we're totally over every possibility that Mother Earth has given us to survive long-term. We're destroying the bees' ability to pollinate plants. We're destroying the plants themselves by raising temperatures so they can't produce nutritious food, pouring carbon dioxide into the oceans where they're absorbed, and the oceans are becoming acidic. The shellfish are not surviving, and so the whole food chain at the bottom of the ocean is collapsing. And and we somehow think that we as humans are a special creation, that the rules that conservations are worried about don't apply to us, but they apply to us just as much, if not more, than to anything else that's living today. And extinction is taken as, as something when you think of dinosaurs. But there were types of human in the past that are now extinct. And there are types of human living today that almost certainly will become extinct, we will become extinct, unless we're terribly careful about how we handle our ecosystems.
1: So when I think about your Garen project and really addressing, I'll call it the dire situation as you just described it, I think of your project as about building incentives, getting people engaged and thinking about these issues. Maybe you could describe how, with the use of this museum, you're looking to increase engagement in those SDGs so they're just not an academic concept.
0: Let me be bold. I come from Africa. I come from a country that has got uh, a number of different religions, very, very well established over the last few hundred years, Islam in particular, and Christianity. Now, in both of those religions, um, young people have been taught But in the final analysis, it's God's will. It'll be this or it'll be that, depending on the judgment of a God. They don't recognize that if there is a God, we're taught that God only looks after those who look after themselves. And if there isn't a God, then it's our responsibility to look after ourselves. And I think if people could see us as part of the web of life that is both positive as well as destructive. And if we could realize that maintaining um, sustainable development is selfish, it perpetuates our life on this planet if we perpetuate lives of other creatures on this planet. And so I, I want to try and shake my audience at Ngaren into the realization that you don't need to bring God into this question at all. You emerged in a process called evolution under circumstances that we now understand that produced all the other life forms, a process that we now understand has caused most of previously alive species to become extinct and which continues apace. And we have to realize that if we play God, the consequences are going to be ours. Uh, We have got to save it or lose it. And that requires responsible action in terms of development, because we're not developing um, for the sake of development, we're presumably developing everything for the benefit of humanity. And benefiting some humanity at the cost of the other humanity makes no sense anymore than it makes sense to benefit your grasslands if you kill off the elephants and the rhinos. Now, there has to be a proper balance, and I think Garen, as a biological theme in evolution, and talk of biodiversity coming through the ages, can probably do more than any museum has currently done. And whilst, if you're looking at a movie, you don't like it, you switch it off, or you're looking at something on a television screen, you switch it off, or if you're looking at it on a these devices, Facebook and things, you just swipe it onto the next thing. A museum is there. You have to face it. You can't walk away from it. You can't pull a curtain. And I think we need something really powerful on the continent that humanity came out of to talk about whether humanity can remain as a viable species just in the same way that we talk about whether elephants can and blue whales can and bees and hornets can.
1: So, so to sort of... Listen to what you just said and I think of potentially it's to get the visitors to understand their self-interest in becoming engaged uh, and to really understand the current state. What are some of the other takeaways that you want visitors to have when they leave Garen besides this awareness? Well, I think
0: one of the important takeaways, and uh, I've spoken of this, is that every action has a consequence. Mm -hmm. And you cannot expect one side of an equation to have things added or taken to it and not have to add or take away from the other side of the equation if you're going to balance it. And sustainability is balance. Um, It's a question of what you put in and what you take out. It's got to be more or less the same if you're going to continue to do it. And I think that these are natural processes. They've uh, been in operation for millions of years. Uh, in the last few thousand years, we thought these processes are controlled by a deity, and we just go along on the hope that, that the deity will take care of us. What well, no deity's gonna take over such arrogant creatures unless we take care of ourselves.
1: So as, as people are really mired in their day-to-day, and don't necessarily think about these issues, perhaps because they're relying on some of the teachings that you described. When you started thinking about the Garen Project, what, what did you see as some of the challenges to really getting uh, visitors to come and for more to be engaged and thinking about these issues on the same level that you do?
0: I think, first of all, humans In historical times have always shown a deep interest in looking for certainty about who they are, where they're from, what their ancestry is. And I think in the last decade, um, with the um, advances in understanding uh, genetics, more and more people are now getting themselves genetically examined to see whether they have in in America Scottish or, or Irish or Portuguese ancestors. And if you Push the process with a little more money to go further back, everybody on planet Earth today, everywhere in the United States, has clearly got an African ancestor. And so, I think if you can come to terms with the fact that whether you've got blue eyes and a pale skin, you were at one time from Africa, it sort of, in a way, is a cementing of modern people. We share that. I think if people realize that Extinction is caused by an inability to adapt to the loss of environmental opportunities. Now, you can't expect somebody in in an urban situation to get really excited about whether we're taking too much food that's causing the elephants to die. But the elephants are dying because they can't get what they need to survive. People are dying because superbugs have come about through the abuse and misuse of antibiotics. We die. So I think it's all part of the same process of of adaptation to an environment that we now, unfortunately, have enormous control over. And people worry about the debate on climate change. What we're saying is there's so much carbon dioxide in the air now that the balance between oxygen and carbon dioxide is changing. Different plant species are not thriving. If you take the cereals, the corn and the rice and the wheat and the oats and the barley, and you add a little more carbon dioxide to the atmosphere, they will no longer produce nutritious food. If you add any more um, carbon dioxide to the oceans, the food chain of the fish will disappear. We've lost 90% of the phytoplankton in the Southern Oceans. So, well, we don't need fishes if we're living in Denver or Nairobi. But the point is, it's part of a global system. And what I'm, I'm really concerned about is Most humans in city life, particularly, shrug their shoulders and say, well, there's nothing we as an individual can do about this. Most people in in the rural areas shrug their shoulders because of a lack of education and say, well, it'll be God's decision what happens to our rains next year or what happens to our summers and winters. It's not God's decision, it's our decision, and we have to be very careful not to fool around the way we're doing if we're going to survive not overnight but we can create an environment where superbugs evolve and we cannot produce doctors fast enough and scientists fast enough to come up with the drugs that'll treat them and the loss of a hundred million people in a pandemic is not science fiction but who picked the number of 100 it could be a thousand million people could go from a superbug in a few months. This can be demonstrated, and so we have to be careful. It's not a doomsday scenario. It's a shot across our bowels to be a little more sensible, and if we recognize that we are part of the system of life, we're not a special creation. We're a biological entity. Like all biological entities, we have parameters to live in.
1: So, so as my last question, Richard, uh, let me follow up on that because you've painted an image that I think is really very poignant. Our behavior as humans um, are sort of based on the stories we tell ourselves. And you, you just pointed out, too, about why um, someone doesn't need to really get engaged on these issues. Um, but I've heard you mention evolution, where humans are more like the end of a branch on a bush instead of what many humans think of themselves as the top of a pyramid. So imagine, if you would, for us, like how you think humans would act differently if they acted more like they were just the part of the branch on a bush.
0: Well, I think if we didn't think of ourselves as a pinnacle put there by God, but we thought of ourselves as a terminal point on a particular branch, and we looked back at our stem, we realized how many bits of branches had fallen off because they couldn't have coped with the previous droughts and the previous. Um, and you look around you from, from, from the tree and you realize that a lot of these trees are actually dead. They've all gone extinct. I think if you're sitting on a pinnacle, you don't believe it can happen. But if you're on the end of a branch, you realize branches can fall off, branches can get disease. And, and we are on a branch that could easily continue forever and ever and ever if we use our brains and our technology and our sensitivity. But a branch on a tree can't live unless the
1: tree's alive. Thank you. Thank you, Richard, for your time today. Learn more about delivering a triple bottom line by visiting warburtonadvisors.com. And remember to share and like this podcast so others can find it more easily.